Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Williams, one of the hosts. And joining me today is my co-host, Jeff Clossy. I tip my hat to you, Jay. Good morning. You tip- I was glad to, I had to describe it because they can't see it. Wait, are you tipping your hat to me as a greeting? Or yeah, as like a good a, morning. I did a good job with the intro. Yeah, both of those things. That was good. I think I, I butchered the intro because I forgot that, you know, you get a little little petty about the host-co-host situation. So I got to be like, oh, okay, we're hosting it together. Here I'm we not go. tipping my hat anymore. <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> Listen I, to this. I removed my tip. Oh, quick hat. disclaimer. If you hear loud sounds in the background... It's just thunder. Don't worry about us. How awesome was that this morning? Yeah, it was pretty loud. One of our dogs uh, was out, and uh, I thought, well, she'll come in pretty quickly, and then she wasn't coming in, and then this huge crack, you know, just loud. I bet I bet she's at the door. I looked up. Yep, there she is. She's ready to come in now. <laughs> yeah, they, I, the, our cats went a little nuts. It, I forgot to ask Lauren. It's rare that you have a morning thunderstorm like that. But years ago, our place was struck by lightning, and it was a pretty. And there's a fire, and it was pretty. Wow. It was a pretty traumatic experience years ago, and so for a long time, it used to kind of elicit a physiological response. You know, thun, big thunderstorms like that, and so I, I totally forgot about. It didn't come to my mind until just right now, and remembering that. So, um, I love. I mean. I don't know. I love thunderstorms. So, and this one was like there's no wind or anything. Yeah, it just is not a dangerous. No, just thunder and then rain. But yeah, it definitely definitely gets you up when that's the first thing you're hearing. It does, especially if you have animals in the in the uh-huh. house because they they don't they don't love that. And uh, and then the bummer too is it knocks all the leaves off the trees. Like they were definitely. I was like, no, I don't think all those were ready to go. Yeah, it definitely accelerated. My yeah. my driveway's covered now. I yeah. know it's on the way out, but yeah. Oh, See, well. that's me being a Midwesterner, like a, a grumbly Midwesterner about the fall. Like that's that's where you'll hear it from me. Is oh, yeah, ripped all those leaves yeah. off. There were still a lot this morning. Oh way. yeah, I mean it's still beautiful. It was sunny for a minute. It's it's warm today. It is. It's nice. It looks like it's cold, but it's not. Yeah, very nice. So yeah, oh yeah. There's the thunder right there. It is. Speaking of thunder, James brought the thunder in James four. Wow, good transition. Yeah, yes. There is. Yeah. Points. I think did. we should start rating my transitions. We just butcher them because we because they're so like. Can a transition be too good? I I submit to you that if the transition's so good, then you stop and you admire it, which actually makes it not a transition anymore. Yeah, if it's so good, you're like, what are yeah. we talking about right now? Which I basically is like all of them. <laughs> that's pretty much all. That's that's my. So it's one of those things. It's that, all downhill after that. It causes quarrels. It does. The transitions got no. See, that was not. I tried. I what tried to go with you. Quarrels and causes fights among you. Is it not this? This is a ten. This is a five. Yeah, the big debate about rating, the transitions. Rating Jay's transitions. It's always this buzz in so, the background. All right, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta move because the battery on all my devices that I could use to access my notes are all like low. So this is gonna be like the fastest, most efficient. All right, we'll get the plane ever. in the air and we'll Once lander. We get, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll build it as we go. We'll figure out where we're going. So yeah, so we got to talk about what causes quarrels and fights among you. Um, and I, I mentioned it in the sermon, but this is this is one of those passages where it feels like James could be sitting in our rows today. Like, what does that make you think when you see how like how much how little things have changed? Like there is the humanist side of things that people who believe, you know, that we're constantly that we're evolving and that we are changing, but we don't actually like the root desires of man's heart are the same as they've always been. What changes is our quantity of knowledge. So that's, I think what gets confusing to people. And we think that we're smarter or more ethical or more moral than people 2000 years ago, but the Bible says we're not. And our experience says we're not. The difference is that we build upon each generation's, you know, knowledge. So yes, we're more scientifically advanced, you know, or more technologically advanced, but we're not more morally advanced. No, especially when you get down to the level of our desires, right? You know, and the idea that if you just knew more, then you would just be better. I think Chesterton said something about like, you know, you you educate the man, you know, and he has the same heart that he did before he was, he was educated more Then he steals the entire railroad, you know, instead of just like something off the tracks or out of the car. 
of the of the train and i think that's true it's the the human heart and i think that goes like sometimes today you can feel like there's a sentiment like the human heart is worse than it ever has been and there's yeah. alarm and i also don't that's think true. that's true either right. i think it's it has been what it has been mm-hmm. and in just reading james and and if we went through the bible like say we just highlighted the horrific things that happened to people throughout the bible then we would be okay yeah it's not any worse but I think there can be a, because we're exposed to more, we, we know what is happening in someone's life across the world or across our country in a way that we just didn't before. That it's just all readily before us and people are choosing, you know, we should know about this story and not that one. And I think there's a perception sometimes that, yeah, but you know, just knowing better, that, that's the other side of that coin, I think too, is like the idea that if you just know better, then you'll do better. And, um, right. That doesn't seem to be real either, unfortunately. No, edu- education is not the answer. That doesn't mean education isn't helpful, but um, but it doesn't cure the human heart. No. And it's interesting that James... So one of the things that's interesting about this passage to me is I I, I sometimes get irritated by headings of sec, you know, sections. I yes. feel like they're... But this one, I think, is actually really good and really helpful. So if people don't know, just to be really clear, the section headings are not the inspired word of God, right? They're just, they're organizational things to, to help you in, in the reading of it, but they are added way later along with like chapter numbers and verses and all those different things. So this, this would have not been, James did not begin a section with a heading warning, you know, warning against worldliness. But I do think that that's one thing I wish I would have, I, I tried to draw attention to that, but I wish I would have said it that clearly, that it essentially, that is what James is saying, that he's saying, you know, what what causes quarrels and fights among you, it's that you are pursuing the world, like you're pursuing your own desires, your own kingdom, and then those kingdoms clash, and then boom, that causes causes a fight, it causes war in our uh, between countries, in our world, and it causes wars um, between our kingdoms interpersonally, and so I do think it was a that's a good heading um, for this. I don't know if you, I, yeah, I do, I do too. I think I'm think it's always worth repeating it that those headings are not the inspired word of God. They're they're editorial comments, basically that are they're helpful, but but sometimes they're not right, and sometimes they can come in the middle of a section. And we said this, so the last three weeks, so that really do go together. Like you, like if we had had time to do an extended sermon, um, James's thought is continuing each, and we have a chapter break in the middle of that thought. And those chapter breaks also, right? They're not right. in the original letter that he wrote. Those are added for our convenience. But it is important, I think, Jay, to highlight it because sometimes that can really derail us from getting the full thought and the full picture of what he's drawing out here. But yeah, I think warning, I was just checking the, so the ESV has what you said, warning against worldliness. And the NIV says um, their heading for James 1, the beginning of it is submit yourselves to God. So they hmm. they kind of get more at the imperative part of that passage yeah. where God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Um, yeah, and I, what do you think, I mean, so I look at it and I say, well, one of the things that always sticks out to me that I think is so challenging is that there's no compromise. There's just no, and I, I do believe that that is a critical issue in, in the church today is that we're just so okay with compromising with God's kingdom. Like I just, I hear it all the time. I see it in my own heart. Just this, this feeling, no matter how many times you read Jesus says, if you put your hand to the the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom, that um, you cannot serve two masters. Like Jesus is constantly saying, it is all or nothing. And we are constantly living as though we can have our cake and eat it too, that we can hedge our bets, that we can live with a foot in two different kingdoms. Why do you think that is like why why do you think that's such an imperative in scripture and so clear and so consistent and so extreme and yet we just seem to be okay completely okay with with living divided lives 
Yeah, I was going to say, it, it's the double-minded that James has been warning us about, yeah. right, throughout this. I'd love to hear what you say, 2J. I mean, th- I, there's probably tons of reasons. I do think that some of it comes down to um, ignorance. Like, I think that sometimes we just don't realize that the the ways um, that we've absorbed from the world, that we are just, they're just normal things and ways of operating and ways of thinking and things that we value are totally in contradiction with Jesus and his kingdom. So I do think that that is a lot of it. Um, There probably are moments where we intentionally are saying, actually, I know this is the way of Jesus and his kingdom, but that's not working right now, so I'm going to choose this other path. But I do think that's more of a, it's not an outlier, right? That makes it sound like it never happens. It does happen in our hearts because of where our hearts are and our desires. But I do think a lot of times we just haven't examined, we haven't thought through the values we've inherited. And that can be generational, right? That we inherited them from our families. Can be we inherited them from our workplaces and just our neighborhoods, just the places we live. This is what's normal. This is how we do it. And we might just assume this is the right way. I mean, what do you say? I mean, I think that's a really good point of first realizing that we do this in in unknowing ways and in knowing ways. So and the unknowing ways maybe are even harder, certainly harder to diagnose. And I think you're right. Cultural just normalities play a role that we just, we talk about this a lot with cultural sin. That's just the, the water we swim in. So we don't think anything of it. You know, I recently saw a, a dumb article, like one of those things that pops up on your phone that um, it was like 20, 20 things that out of touch things that celebrities, you know, have said in the last couple of years or whatever. And, you know, they are, they are ridiculous. They're, you know, things like, um, I don't know. I mean, just people who are on, it happened a lot during the pandemic when people were talking about feeling imprisoned, you know, and so you'd have these celebrities who are living in like a 10,000 or 15,000 square foot home, like on this massive property where they have like their pickleball court and their chef and they're like everything. And they're just talking about like all the trials of being imprisoned in their home. And so there was just a whole list of these. And what I couldn't help but think is whoever wrote this and whoever compiled this and the people who look at all that and say like, oh my gosh, how out of touch with reality are they? That those people also say things that somebody who's living in a developing nation, for example, who doesn't have clean water to drink. And so we complain about, you know, our fast food restaurant, like increasing prices by a couple of dollars or, you know, I, I I can't get my Uber Eats delivery on time, you know, or whatever, just silly things that we think are normal. And so it just shows both how, how hard it is to see it in our own lives. And even when we point it out into others, even when we see it in other people, we think like, well, that's them. They, they have a problem seeing that. I don't though. Um, you know, like we've talked before about people complaining about the 1% and, uh, and completely oblivious to the fact that, that we are the one percent, like in the in the whole world, we are the one percent, and um, and so that I think is is really, I think that becomes a major problem because we're so blind to it, and we don't we don't recognize that we actually are um, living with a foot in in this other kingdom, and so if you just don't even realize that that is a thing. If you can't start at a place where you just say, okay, I know this is happening. Like, I know this is happening in my heart. I may not know where it's happening exactly, but I know it is. Well, then you can start be to be open to listening to the spirit, um, listening to others like that are following Jesus who may, may be able to see your blind spot and you might be able to see their blind spot and you might be able to help each other in that. Um, but I am really amazed at how often I hear from Christians that they just don't even think they have a blind spot. Like they just yes. don't think, they don't think this is an issue. And so when you don't think it's an issue, then everything that you think about the kingdom of God, you just take at face value and you're not even open to the idea that you might be meshing those two worlds together because you've already reconciled it. Like you feel like that peace treaty is clad and so and so much so that you think that it's not even a treaty. You think that like, you, and then you start defining God's kingdom based on your kingdom because that's what makes sense to you. And that's a really dangerous place to be, to not even be aware that that's happening. Yeah, I think 
part of part of that is it's interesting how sometimes the things that are you know distracting or leading us away from the ways of Jesus are actually parts of his kingdom that we have emphasized to the um and and underemphasize other parts like I, I think NT Wright has this image of like speakers in a stereo system and like we turn certain speakers up so we hear that one really loudly and then we can't hear this other one over here so like truth for example yeah like the importance of truth accurate doctrine worldview thinking that's all really important i mean trust me i being on campus for 13 years in ministry um that's a really important thing but there are other speakers right besides just truth that that jesus emphasized that sometimes that overemphasis on getting the right answer or knowing the right thing can really affect how we treat each other and because we've turned down that speaker and to me what what is underneath all of this though is a, a miss like if we do not see ourselves as disciples of Jesus which is what the primary word was for his followers throughout the new testament disciples which is a learner student if we don't see ourselves as actively learning from Jesus, what it means to live in his kingdom, we will not expect that we have answers right now or ways that are out of line with that. But I do think if we can, if we start from the place of I'm a student learning from a master and I have not mastered his ways, then I think it's a lot easier to accept. I might have blind spots. You know, I just, I use the word might there, right? I might have blind spots and I have things I need to learn from him because when we start to learn from him, we realize how much we don't know. I don't know if that resonates, but I I just feel like that's a big part of it. If we live each day knowing that he's my savior, he's my Lord, and he's my teacher, it just changes how we see the kingdom. Yeah, and think about how that's been a theme of James. Does any of you lack lack wisdom? Ask God. Um, And then talking about the wisdom from above versus earthly, unspiritual, and demonic wisdom. And then talking about humble yourself before the Lord, submit yourself to God, humble yourself um, and he will exalt you. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble that this posture of the Christian is to be one who is submitted to Jesus, who acknowledges that what makes sense to me in any given moment may or may not be from God, that, that there's a battle. My passions are at war within me to recognize that that is a battle. And I just think, I, I keep trying to figure out different ways of saying it, so maybe it'll hit people at different places. But the mentality of, okay, well, I'm saved. Therefore, I fully think and believe now everything that I'm, everything that makes sense to me is godly because I'm, because I'm a Christian. And that's where we start to m- manipulate things. And we've, you know, the Satan doesn't care which way he pushes you. Like we've, you know, there are a lot of authors who have talked about that, that he's just going to take you wherever you want to go. So he's just as happy for you to get lost in religion as he is, you know, in, in being atheistic thought. And so if you start thinking, okay, well, this is just what makes sense. So you mentioned truth before, and we've talked about in many, many different ways of, how truth is three-dimensional. You know, it's not just about facts and knowledge. It's also about heart. Like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's he's not, that doesn't just mean he has all the answers. It means he is the very manifestation of truth. And I think, and so if you take that as an example where you say, okay, if I disagree with someone and I am proclaiming the truth of Scripture and they are proclaiming a, a false, you know, a, a false gospel that that the, the conversation goes deeper than that right it's not just then okay well if if my mindset then goes to well then i have to win this argument with them at all costs and if they start insulting me then i need to fight fire with fire and i need to prove to everyone around me that they are a fool and that i have truth. And so I'm going to win this argument by any means necessary, which you pointed out an illustration of that a couple of weeks ago. Well, and then what we end up doing is we, that that's like, okay, I'm meshing my kingdom with God's kingdom because I'm seeing God's truth 
and the truth about his kingdom, but I'm meshing it with the way of my kingdom. And the way of my kingdom is to make a fool of those who would oppose me, to show my strength and my power and crush my enemy. And Jesus manifests a very different way. And so it's not just about submitting to the wisdom and knowledge of God and, and to believe what the Bible says, but it's also to go in, go about it in a way that is the kingdom way. We function in that way. If you think about what does it mean to be an American, um, that's one, it is about the laws of our land and knowing like, you know, this is how, this is how we function legally. But it's also very much about culture and how you function in a in a relational way, right? And so um, imagine in the Midwest where it's very common in the Midwest that if you come over to someone's house for dinner or something, you feel like you have to bring something. Like it, it's just, what can I bring? That's always the question in the Midwest. And you, and you have to tell somebody something to bring because otherwise they're going to feel badly. They need to, they need to bring something. Um so imagine like you agreed with that and you understood, okay, yeah, we're going to do that. And I'm going to bring something over to your house for dinner because that's, that's what is the right thing to do. And then when I bring it over, um, I, you know, barge in the house and I just, you know, I, I walk in and I, I put the dish down on the, on the table and then I just start scooping out food from it and I start grabbing a plate or whatever. I, I may have done the right thing. Like, they even even in the Midwest culture, who's going to go first when you get food? Well, it's going to be the guest. And so you could have all that knowledge. I'm supposed to bring something. I'm supposed to be the first one to eat. I'm supposed to, like, that's what's going to happen. But then you come in and you just barge in and you just start grabbing food. You go over and sit. Everyone's going to think that's incredibly rude. Like, that's not our culture at all. And I think that's that's what I try to get at with kingdom culture is you can have all the right facts and all the right orders and 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 declare all the right things. But the way you function is a massive piece of, of that, that it's not a complete picture. And so imagine if you had, um, this was all off the top of my head, so this is really rough, but I, I do think there's something to that. So imagine if I did that and you had people visiting from another country and if they asked you, is that like, is that normal? Is that like the way that your culture functions? You would say no. You would not even, you wouldn't say, well, you know, he did bring over food and so that's right. And he did eat first and we would have wanted him to eat first. You wouldn't even have qualified it with that. You would have just looked at it as a whole and said, no, that's not, that, that was really rude. And I feel the same way when someone asks me to watch a video of like a Christian apologist or something in some YouTube video and they say, what do you think about this? And the guy is just not exhibiting any of the fruit of the spirit is not demonstrating an understanding of how the kingdom of God works, but they're stating facts that God created, that Jesus lived and they died and he rose, that God's word is inspired. Like they're stating all these facts. I don't even qualify my state. I look at it and go like, that's not representing the kingdom. Like it's not even a, Hey, well, he got all the facts, right? I just wish that he was a little bit nicer. It's no, it's just a total miss. Just like you wouldn't say, well, he got all the he got all the steps right. I just wish that he was a little gentler in it. You'd just say, no, that's just that was rude. That's not that's not our culture here. Yeah, it seems like a something that all those ways have in common, the ways that are out of line with Jesus's kingdom. I mean, is that they center on self. They center on human pride. They center on the thing that I'm doing and I'm accomplishing. Right. So whether it's yeah. like. I need to prove my point because I need to feel right or I need to, you know, I need this, I need to lead. You could even think of it that way. I need to lead. And then it's all about whether or not I feel like I'm leading in a way that's adequate. And then all my thoughts are just about me instead of thinking, well, actually what I need to do is serve and love. And as soon as you move to serve and love, that is all about the other that is outside of yourself. And I just, I think that's, part of what James is getting at there too, right? With, with the pride and we just are stuck on ourselves and even we can even be stuck on ourselves in the name of God, right? Yeah. It's just a strong, it's so that's strong. The kingdom. So that's a really good example of the kingdom. So our need to be right or to be seen as right, um, 
is, is part of our kingdom. So you might be proclaiming something that is true about God's kingdom, but you're doing it in a way that you, you want your kingdom to be preserved as being right. Hopefully that makes sense. That would be an example of our kingdoms clashing, and you might miss it because you're thinking, well, no, I'm proclaiming God's truth about his kingdom. Yes, but you're doing it in a way that is demonstrating your own kingdom. And so that, when you talk about proclamation and demonstration that we talk about a lot, it's, yes, we proclaim, it's both, right? So we're not, we're also not saying that, well, hey, and I've gotten this accusation before where people will say something to the effect of, well, so you're just saying it's just about being nice and about being, you know, gentle and not about speaking truth. No, it's not what I'm saying. Um, any more than I would say, like, hey, as long as you, as long as you act nice, you can, you know, do whatever you want in our, in our culture here in the Midwest. Like, no, you, you, if I, if I was really nice and I came in and I took your keys and I drove your car away and, you know, I just drove away with your car, that would be illegal. So the truth does matter. And if I said, well, yeah, but I was really kind about it. I was really nice. And I really love your car. Um, that wouldn't, that wouldn't matter. So you you can be preaching a false gospel in a really gentle, kind way, and that is also false, and that is also destructive. What we're saying is it they're inseparable, like proclaiming the kingdom and demonstrating, and God has set it up that way. And so when James is talking to like the church, I think, can you imagine like the heartbreak for him and for anyone in the church, and Paul is constantly going at this, is you guys should be at peace. Like if you can't, and the only reason you wouldn't be at peace with each other is if you're not fully submitted to God. Because if you're fully submitted to God, who is God of peace and reconciliation, that you have this ministry of reconciliation, God, you know, who's forgiven us, so we should forgive others, be reconciled to one another, be reconciled to God. This is the ministry of reconciliation that Paul talks about. If the if you're not reconciled, if you're not at peace, it's because you're not submitted to God. And and it's frustrating, I'm sure, you know, like you'd think of all the people, and then that's what the world sees, right? And so so James is just not at all concerned about um you know the Roman government. He's not. And Paul isn't. Paul's Paul's so unconcerned with the Roman government that he's like, you know, hey, they're fine. They're 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 here for your good. Even even as they're like arresting people. Don't worry about them. The important thing is that we are proclaiming the truth of this king and the kingdom and that we're living it out so that people can see what that what that actually looks like. The, the amazing thing to me, too, related to just the behavior part is that the transformation that we are promised and that God works in us goes to the level of desire, which is amazing to me. So that even the things that um, that we desire and that we want— like in our honest answer to what we want, not just the answer that we think we should give for what we want. Those those parts of us increasingly, as we walk with Jesus and he changes us, become like him. So we we actually desire, and I, I think that's part of what James is alerting them to as well. So obviously part of what changes as we follow him is our thinking and our patterns of thinking and, and the truths that we dwell on. And it seems like we have a bit more control over that, over what we are going to think about and think on, because we have the word and we can choose to do that. But when we get to the level of a human desire, we have the desire and then we react to it. But what what's causing that desire to rise up in us seems to be a bit more out of our reach, like to directly impact, like we can with our thoughts. Like we can say, I'm going to think about this other thing. It's very hard if you desire something to tell yourself, I don't desire it. But God can actually, and that's to me an amazing promise and hope that we have, he can actually change that so that our desires are aligned with his desires and that what we desire is good. So our in that quarreling example that James gave, we become the kind of people who desire what is good and right for everyone in our life, not just ourselves. We're, we, we are like born wanting what's best for ourselves. We don't have to learn that. But we become the people that your good is my desire. And so the idea of this like quarreling 
and fighting over what you get versus what I get or whatever the thing is, it just becomes a non-issue. Because again, like you said, we're submitted to his kingdom and our desires are being so radically transformed. And that's part of what he's doing throughout our entire life. That's part of the discipleship process with him as he works that in our hearts. It's amazing that that that's possible. And I I hope that's a hope-filling thing that whatever it is that I desire today that isn't good, God can actually change that. He can change it. I think, yeah, that desire, that is such a a powerful point. One thing that I've felt really convicted of um, many times over is the number of times I've been in some kind of argument with somebody or I've quarreled with somebody. And if you asked me in that moment, what do you want right now? Like what, what would make you happy? Um, and if I was honest in that moment, I, I wouldn't say peace or reconciliation. Like the number of times that we quarrel and fight because we want to be like, we, we either, um, you know, we deal with this a lot where you'll have somebody who will apologize genuinely. And the other person just keeps, we see this a lot in counseling. Like the other person just keeps piling on and you realize, Oh, you, you don't want, you don't want an apology. You don't want reconciliation. You don't want peace. You want to hold on to your anger. You want to feel justified in that. You don't even, you think you might want a pound of flesh, but that's not even satisfying. And I think what a, what a great question to ask yourself. Like what would, what would bring peace right now? What would, would you want? And then there have been, there have been other times where I have wanted peace where I've approached somebody with something or they've approached me with something. And I tell that like my desire is I, I want to be reconciled. I don't want this to blow up and be a big deal. And I don't know if we ever, we, we just kind of assume that our righteous, that our indignation is always righteous and it it's almost never righteous indignation. Um, and, and our desire to quarrel. Like, so if you, if, so that would just be a, a, a first level question. Whenever you're in a situation like that, when you find yourself getting really frustrated or really heated um, with a, with somebody else, just asking yourself, okay, what kingdom am, am I displaying? What do I, and what do I want? Do I, do I want to follow Jesus in this moment? Or do I, do I want to make this person feel small? Do I want them to feel the pain that I feel like they made me feel? So do I want retribution? Do I want punishment? Do I want to hold on to this so that I can feel, you know, because it's comfortable, because it feels safe? What do I want? And at least, you know, maybe start there. And then if what you find is, yeah, I want to be angry at them. Okay, well, that's something to submit to God. Now you're starting to speak out something that you can say that even even the enemy is going to have a hard time like twisting it. You're going to say, okay, that's not, that's not the way of Jesus. Cause sometimes, sometimes when I, you know, I'll, I'll say like, well, does that sound like Jesus? You know, when you write a Facebook post, for example, does that sound like Jesus? And Robbie used to say, well, the problem is it sounds like the Jesus that's in their head. So when we've meshed these together, we picture, yeah, Jesus would totally, would totally, you know, do this. You're like, well, I don't know how you can get that if you're reading the gospels, but okay, fair enough. Maybe you can do that. But then drilling down a little bit more and saying, okay, what is it that I want? And if you find things like, well, I want them to admit that I'm right. Well, is that, that's not really about truth then at that point, that's about you and that's about your kingdom. And you don't want your kingdom to look foolish or to be disrespected or anything like that. And that's not the way of Jesus. Yeah. And it's interesting how we can do it about our individual kingdoms. And then we can do it even about the kingdom of God in a way that's sinful. And what I mean, like an example that's coming to my mind is, you know, earlier we were talking about contending for truth. um, And part of that in in a bad way was then humiliating the other person. And it's, it's interesting how even if we are at the point in our life where we say, I am not going to humiliate that person. I know better than doing that we still might celebrate if someone else humiliates them. <laughs> that is still yes. not the kingdom. Yes. So, and that is related to 
something again that comes back to self, but then it, it can feel like that's a bigger thing, right? Because in that moment, it's not about the argument I'm having with the person. We're feeling like this is justified. They're getting what they deserve right now. And, oh, Lord, have mercy. If we got what we deserved, like we are lost if we get what we deserve. That is not the way of the kingdom. So I, I just want to highlight that too, that I think sometimes it can masquerade. You can feel like this isn't about me. This is about a bigger, the bigger war that's going on, you know, the kingdom of light against the kingdom of darkness. And we still, we cannot wish harm on people. We just, that's not what the ways of Jesus. No, I mean, Jesus rebukes the disciples when they ask like, Hey, you're going to call down fire. Like, should we call down fire from heaven? And it's just like, what in the world? You've been like following me around and you think this, and again, I've mentioned it on Sunday, but um, the only time Jesus gets angry is with religious people, people who falsely represent God. That should make us nervous. Like we spend so much time worrying about what non-Christians are doing. And that just should not be, I mean, for the good of our neighbor, yes. Like there are things. And so, yes, by all means, we should be kingdom citizens participating for the good of our of our city. So that means by all means, let your voice be heard. Share like, you know, the how how you think, you know, it would be beneficial for us to live and to protect people and to care for people well. We should, that all that should matter to us. But at the end of the day, what what we should be most concerned about is are we as God's people living out the kingdom insofar as it depends upon us, you know, with, with one another? Like, are we a, a city on a hill that people can look at and as, as a testimony, as a living, you know, flesh testimony of the goodness of God, you know, and, and who he is. And most of what I see uh, among Christians is, um, is fighting with the world and fighting and trying to convince the world and think about what we're actually proclaiming. When we tell somebody God is displeased with you because you're living, you know, you're living in X, Y, Z way. We're communicating that if you change that thing, well, then God will be pleased with you. That's the good news right there. That's the false good news. Right. Yeah. That is heresy. Mm -hmm. That is like, and, and I've heard pastors say that and I just sit there and I have to like do a double then. And I look back on it and, and, you know, replay it and say, wait, is that actually, is that actually what you said? that that's the kind of thing that we end up declaring. And that's why if you ask non-Christians about like, what do you know about Christianity high on their list is going to be that it's about a set of morals and values. And then they're probably going to describe its adherence as (laughs) self-righteous. And like, that's, that's not at all how you would describe Jesus. The, the world actually loved Jesus because he turned on the self-righteous religious people, the, those powers, and and that's not a license then to do infighting, but it does mean um, it does mean that we should be calling one another out and exhorting one another to live in line with with the kingdom, and and that's just it's hard like it's hard to do that, but I think at, at the same time it's not that hard, right? So it's not complicated, it's just hard because our kingdoms we're so good at deceiving ourselves into thinking that we can mesh these worlds together. And it's because we want to like, at the end of the day, we want some of the things about God's kingdom and we want some of the things about our kingdom. And we just think that if we just, you know, fly under the radar enough, we can go through life living that way. And it's all going to be fine. And honestly, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, God in his perfect justice will work all that out. I know that it's by grace we are saved. So it's not just that we live out the kingdom perfectly because none of us do. But I will say it concerns me when there's not even a root heart level of saying, but I want to live for God's kingdom. I don't want my kingdom to win out. It's one thing to say, yeah, I I, I sense that my kingdom is winning out. I know that it is at times, and I know that that's a battle and that is at war in me. But as we've said many times, it's acknowledgement that that battle is going on inside of you is evidence of 
a new heart. It's evidence that the spirit dwells in you. If there's no acknowledgement of that, you don't see it and you think like, no, 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 I'm in perfect alignment with God's kingdom. And it means all these different things, all these political things, all these social things. It means all this. Then that concerns me. And it should concern, like it should concern the person. Like I hope that they would hear that and go, oh, wait a second, maybe something's off here. And I think that's James trying to cut to the root. Like this is, why do you think you fight with each other? It's this, this thing that we've been talking about, that your your passions are at war. You're pursuing a different wisdom, a different kingdom. You are submitted to a different God. And that isn't, and, and whether that is a God characterized by, hey, it just matters that you say that you believe the right things and there's no works with it. And James is saying, faith without works is dead. Or if it's, um, you know, about a, a having a quick temper and, and dominating conversations and winning arguments, whatever, like that's not the humility of God that we are, we are to be slow to speak and slow to become angry. Um, whether it's the wisdom that you're pursuing or that you don't have control over your tongue or all these different things, he's just pointing this out as evidence of saying, listen, this is, this is what it looks like to be transformed by the gospel. And we will look different and certainly different than the world and different than we did look if we're following him. Yeah, our, our boast increasingly becomes about him. Yeah. You know, like that's, we're concerned with, with him and, and less and less about ourselves. Yeah, I think all that's really true. And, you know, the really neat thing to me is that we get to do this together. And I, I think this is one of the, to me, I think it's more obvious why we need each other when we start talking about the transformation that gets below the surface because we are often so unable to see ourselves as we actually are we just we have trouble doing that we have trouble wrapping our mind around our own ways and that's where we need each other to come alongside each other again in the way of the kingdom not the way of the world the way of the world critiques and and complains and tears people down but the way of the kingdom is to encourage and to build up and then, so when there is a, where is there, when there's an issue that needs to be pointed out, it's done in love and in gentleness and often through tears because you so care for the person. But to me, it makes our family here so important. And it's, it's one of the reasons I think why God designed us to be in fellowship with each other all the time, the way, the way he did, because we need each other. And that dependence on each other is it ultimately ends up being a dependence upon him to provide for us in this really important thing. You know, the other just thing that was coming to my mind was that this kind of change also requires a pattern of life. And, and I would just say that's something to keep an eye on that, that the, the, when you get to the level of desire, our desires are formed, not just because we read a certain book or we, we watched a certain video, but they are actually formed as we live our life. So the pattern of our lives and what we do with our lives frames and forms our desires. And so we can't really, well, we can't just step into the kingdom sometimes and say, I'm going to do this now and then step out of the kingdom other times and expect that our hearts will change in a way that God intends because our actions actually have direct impact on what we desire. So it's a whole pattern of life that's modeled on Jesus and his ways submitted to him. Yeah, and I think what I would add to that, because I know even as I'm sitting here reflecting, I'm thinking, man, I get, I, I definitely get a little amped up about this. And it's because, I mean, full disclosure, I mean, what frustrates me more than anything is just misrepresenting the, the way of Jesus and people who have religious platforms and Christian platforms proclaiming a false gospel and not always in doctrine. If it's false gospel in doctrine or in um, or in the way, like it, either in proclamation or demonstration, both are upsetting. And um, that's what my biggest concern. And so sometimes people think that I don't, I'm not worried enough about what's going on in the world. Like it, I grieve over a lot of things in the world. But my biggest concern is how how is our church family? How is the the big C church family? functioning together and just think about it which is which do you think is a more faithful um, representation of God and his kingdom if on one hand 
you have a group of people who have total agreement in in doctrine and every point of doctrine and every fact about um you know God's kingdom about you know when Jesus is returning how he's returning you know what stances on alcohol and baptism and you know all kinds of things so they have perfect unity in that and in, in those the the proclamation um, of God's kingdom but they grumble around each other they bicker with each other they are unforgiving toward each other they're rude you know unwelcoming inhospitable is that even if they're and let's imagine that their doctrine is 100 percent right like let's just imagine that they, it's not only do they have unity but they but we find out in hindsight they were 100 percent right on all their statements of faith but they function in in a grumbling complaining quarreling way or group b disagrees on all kinds of things like they they agree on big things like jesus is fully god fully man that were saved by grace um they're submitted to the inspired authoritative word of god and they live this life out but they disagree you 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 go to a meeting and they just disagree on all kinds of things. Like they're having disagreements about baptism. They're having disagreements on what worship should look like, when they should worship. They're having all these disagreements, but they're doing it in a way where they love each other and they're praying for each other and they're like submitting to one another. And they are are passionate about like God's word, but they're doing it in a way of, of humility and they seek God together. And they actually, you see, imagine seeing two people who are disagreeing um, about some issue and then they seek God together and they pray and they pray these humble prayers of seeking wisdom from above. Like which, which one, which one better represents the kingdom? Like it's not even close, right? Like I, I hope that even by laying those out, people were able to follow me in that, which is hard verbally over. Um, but if it shouldn't even be close, which one we would want to be a part of, which one we think is a better testimony to God and his kingdom. Um, and, and that's what we want to be. That's what we want to be together. We're not going to agree with each other on a lot of things. We're not going to agree on how to live. And, and I think that's even by God's design. One of the, the most powerful testimonies of the early church was that people who were so different became family. That was the powerful testimony. It wasn't the purity of every doctrinal understanding or belief or whether they should eat meat or not or whether they should be circumcised or what day of the week they should meet together on. None of those things were what um, served as a powerful testimony to the world and why droves of people came to Christ. The reason, the number one reason that they did was that this was all testifying to the risen Christ and it was demonstrated they were declaring this, but not only were they declaring it, they were their lives were so different, and they saw people who should not have been able to get along become family. And that was mind-boggling to people. And and I just wish, like, we had that same opportunity today. Like, I still look at it, and I think, man, we talk about, well, man, what would it have been like to be back there in the early church? There are similarities today. Imagine if we were a church that when people people just saw and felt the love of for one another even people who have different political views different views on different doctrines but man they pursue Jesus humbly together and love one another really well that is a much more powerful testimony than if you walked into a church and they said here are our 15 you know our you know 150 articles of faith and we have perfect unity on all these we all agree 100 percent on all these but people are cold and grumbling it's not even close it's which not one's even better close. thank you for agreeing with no <laughs> for it's, me it's not it's not I, and i know like when you put that out there then 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 let's act with that like mm-hmm. let's act in light of that just even think that sometimes it drives me crazy in the american church how we divide so much over doctrinal issues and we feel like we got to find a church that agrees. And I always am of, I, when people go off to college or they move and they're looking for a church, I always tell them the same thing. Find a church where people are pursuing Jesus in a way that you say, man, I want that and latch onto them. 
Don't worry about style of music. Don't worry about liturgy. Don't worry about style of preaching. If they are holding to like assuming that they are a Christian church that believes in salvation by grace, you know, through Jesus Christ alone and the, you know, the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, you know, and, and I would say, and I'd want to find a church that believed in the authority and inspiration of God's word. Like there are certain tenets that you're like, okay, well that makes it a healthy Christian church doctrinally. But then once you get past those things, then I'd just be looking at the culture of the church. And are they following Jesus in a humble way, in a passionate way, in a way where they lift each other up and encourage one another? Latch onto them. You'll get used to music, right? You'll get used to how long the sermons are or the style of preaching. You'll get used to what kinds of discipleship methods they have or whatever. You'll deal with all of that because you're going to be per- pursuing Christ with a family that, that is bearing fruit of the Spirit. So there you go. That's my impassioned plea. And I'm really thankful for the, how that is manifesting itself here. Like we are, by God's grace, I believe we are we are going in that direction. Like in many ways, we've seen incredible fruit of that. But we just want more. We just want to pursue that more and more and be that kind of people together. Yeah, it's interesting how the diversity we experience now, and I think the diversity we're experiencing in our church of backgrounds and even where people are from, right? Like we're right. increasingly people from all over living here is all opera. They're all opportunities for us to, to embody this way where well, what is most important is Jesus and his kingdom over any other preference we have. And if that doesn't work, Jay, if you would just agree with me, then we would be fine. <laughs> when all else fails, <laughs> if everybody agreed with me, then everything would be fine. Well, um, uh, on that note, Jeff being ironic. That's a fun, yeah. Yeah, you're telling me to land the plane. You're the one that like, I can't I can't deal with your sarcasm. That's not normal. <laughs> um, so we do want to help you along that path. Please, you know, as always, reach out. You can email us at connect at faithpestigo.com. You can give us a call. You can talk to us on a Sunday morning, fill out a card, fill it out online if you're watching online, whatever the case is. We appreciate your time and listening to this. We hope it's been helpful and a blessing to you. Until next time, grace and peace.